Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And today we have a guest that I'm very excited about because he is one of my Reiki teachers. So I am really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. Many of you may have heard of him. His name is Franz Stina, and he actually came on the podcast three years ago. So I had the opportunity to interview Franz in 2016 when he had just published a book called The Inner Heart of Reiki. And at that time, I had never worked with Franz. I was brand new to his work. In fact, his book was the first introduction to him for me, really. And I was so thankful for the content of that book because he spoke about Reiki in a way that I hadn't heard before. However, it was very much in line with what my personal experiences were in my practice. So I decided to take his Shimpenden training, which is master level, last year. And again, I fell in love with his work. I loved the way that he taught and Again, his work was very resonant with me and what I was personally experiencing through my own practice of Reiki. And so I went to his class again this year to resit. I was there in Los Angeles for four days and it was amazing. And in fact, I will share some more about that experience in the Seeker Circle on Facebook. So if you want to join our group, the Seeker Circle, be sure to join us there. We have so many beautiful sharings and different members of the group do offerings and we just had someone named Hallie Bourne who shared a guided journey with us last week so you can access all of that as well. But back to Franz, um, I am so excited to share his work in his newest book which is called Reiki Insights and this book was published I believe last year 2018 and it is such a great resource really for Reiki practitioners. It doesn't matter which lineage you've studied, what you practice. And in fact, this book can be very helpful for anyone who is in the process of their own spiritual journey or process of awakening or just trying to understand themselves and their lives from a new lens. And so again, it's called Reiki Insights and that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. So I just want to give you a few little insights about Franz, if you are not familiar with him. He has been a major influence on the global research into the system of Reiki since the early 2000s. And his practical understanding of the Japanese influences on the system has allowed his students around the world to deeply connect with this practice. So he is the co-founder of the International House of Reiki, and he also has co-authored some books, um, one of them being the Reiki Source Book, and he published the two books that I told you about just a moment ago. So if you have any questions about your practice or how to deepen your practice with Reiki, he is a beautiful resource, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay. 
Okay, everyone, welcome to Reiki Radio. Today we have a special guest, one of my teachers, Franz Steiner. And before we get into today's conversation, I first of all want to thank you for being here and welcome to the show, Franz. Thank you. It's been just great. And uh, I saw you the other day, so that was great. Yeah. yeah. Now we see each other again. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait to share a little bit about that too, what it's like being in your class. Um, so I was, you know, thinking about it today. It's really interesting. So I met you three years ago through the podcast, and I'm sure plenty of people heard that episode, and you shared so many beautiful insights back then. And what was interesting was at that time, you had come out with the inner heart of Reiki, and right after that interview, you were about to go to Japan for three weeks. Yes. So I do want to ask you a bit about that experience and how Reiki Insights came to be. But first, just curious about how you even got onto this path. How did all of this start for you? Oh, that's an interesting story. Um, I, I was never into all of this. So <laughs> I was more a party animal and uh, drinking way too much. That was one of my issues. And also I suffered from when I was about 16 uh, from some back issues and uh, it was called the Schumann disease and I had lots of problems with my back and therefore also sciatica and when I was 30 with my partner we packed up in Holland and we wanted to travel through Asia and we came uh, first to India and we went up to the north and I just felt really crappy at that time, uh, physically with my back and emotionally. And we were in the Himalaya. And I kind of now, and in hindsight, when I look back, I there was a moment where I was laying in bed and my partner was doing sightseeing. And I go, man, I can't even get out of bed. This is just ridiculous. Mm. I have to do something for myself. And the next day I got out of bed and then I started to meet all these different people. One said, you have to stop drinking. So I stopped drinking. And then uh, there was a, a guy and he said, oh, so a local healer is going to do something. Do you want to guys want to go? And we were with about five foreigners and we came into this house and it was packed with local people. And we were told that we could not really participate, but we had to sit at the back and we could just observe. Mm -hmm. And it was this uh, woman, she was, uh, yeah, as a local shaman, a local healer, a local uh, enlightened person, really. And she would do these things. It was very dark and she would call one by one the local people forward and she would either touch them or say something to them, etc. And this was almost finished and then she was standing there and she said something and then it was translated, oh, one of the foreigners can come forward. Mm -hmm. And um, So anyway, they picked out me for whatever reason and I walked forward, I pointed to my back and as soon as he touched me, I started to cry. Um, my whole being was almost like on fire and I felt I disappeared. There was... Yeah. I, and if you've told me afterwards, did it last for one minute or one second or two days, I would have believed you all of these. So it was a really strange thing. And then I sat back and I go, oh, um, what just happened? And really strange, the next day, all I wanted to do was go to the backpacker bookstore and, and buy books on spirituality. and. Okay. 
I started to buy books on yoga, Buddhism, Taoism, and then I found a book on Reiki. And I thought, wow, this sounds interesting. And one thing led to another. And here I am. I've been teaching full-time the system of Reiki all over the world uh, for the last 20 years. So <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah, I've never heard your story before. So, I mean, that's really interesting. And it's funny to hear you say that you had back issues thinking about how animated you are and like the high kicks and things you do in class. I'm like, really? You had back issues? <laughs> yeah, that's doesn't seem I, like that would have ever happened. I know. I'm 52. Uh, we're 53 these years. And I must say, I feel fitter than I've ever been. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's quite amazing. Like I literally from when I was 16 to about 30, uh, lots of back issues and uh, I haven't had it for the last 15 years, you know, or almost 20 now. So, yeah. Now that is amazing. Okay. So just like you mentioned, and for people who may be new to you now, I mean, you are this international um, Reiki teacher. And so while people will be able to contact you through the links in the show description, just so people know you do, you kind of bop all around. So there's a lot of opportunity to actually work with you. And I have to say, I'm so thankful I've had the opportunity twice. But um, I want to ask you about this book. And it was part of the reason I really, you know, I'm so thankful you came to the show today. Because I guess I should back up and say this. We all know that there are um, lots of ideas and ways with Reiki, especially how it is presented in the West. And so in that, while it's beautiful and it's spreading like wildfire, for a lot of us, we also hit this confusion of like, wait, what? I don't really, I'm not really clear about the practice and the elements and the tools of the practice. So this book, <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have been put together more beautifully, more, it's simple in that you break it down chapter by chapter in a way that is very easy to ingest but the information is gorgeous. So what led up to this? What happened to you in those three years <laughs> in Japan? And why did you even go? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd been to Japan before to train with this uh, priest uh, in Japan in about five, six years ago, five years ago. And then I went again in 2016 for three weeks uh, and then trained with two different priests. And these priests are Shigendo, Shingon, Tendai priest, uh, to help me to understand where did Mikasui himself come from? Where can we find the traces of the system of Reiki? For example, Reiju or the Reiki three symbol and mantra or the, the other symbols and mantras in Reiki two or the precepts even. And... Um, it's, very, it's quite difficult. You can't really go to Japan and say, hey, I'm going to study with this priest. You either have to be invited or you have to be recommended. And so I went there once with this one particular teacher and then I wanted to go again. And he said, okay, Franz, uh, come again. He said, but last time uh, you came on your terms, you know, it's like a beginning. He said, but now you come on my terms. So if you come for a week and a half and if you can't manage it then you know you have to go and man it was very very tough we started like four in the morning mm -hmm. with teaching and training till about 11 o'clock at night oh. and about an a uh, half an hour from his place was an outdoor onsen which was open 24 hours a day and he liked to go there in the middle of the night so after 11 o'clock and we finished he says come on hop in a car we would go to the onsen 
and you'll actually sit there for about two hours. So then we go for two hours to the onsen. Then we go back, have a few hours of sleep, and then we start again. And it was really hard and uh, very uh, energetically and mind-challenging in a way. And But it, that's, of course, really good, really helping me to understand the precepts and the symbols and the mantras and the meditation practices and and if we really look at Mikasui's time, these people at that time were the healers. You know, they were practicing in these mountains like Mikasui sitting on a mountaintop for 21 days. And people still do this. It's very, very difficult. It's quite dangerous. So you have to prepare yourself. You can only do that under a qualified teacher, etc. And uh, for example, one of the things this teacher did, and I thought it was mind-blowing. And it's just such a wonderful practice i mean we did lots of stuff but one of the things he did what was great he knows i'm a vegetarian and so on a, on a second or third night uh he serves me raw fish and uh so after the meal he he explains why he did it and just to see did i get angry did i get worried was i grateful or not grateful was that true to my way my being was i compassionate or not and even that that seemed a very small little teaching in a way, it had a huge ramification because it made me really aware how strongly we hold onto these labels. I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian, I am this, I'm that. And we, in fact, we just put ourselves from one box to another box. And, you know, we don't really break out these boxes at all. We think we do, but mm -hmm. actually we don't at all. And, um, I, I was actually yesterday uh, went for a lovely meal and I had fish again. So I'd been not eating fish for about 20 years <laughs> and uh, yesterday I had some fish and I, and I thought about it yesterday and I thought, well, if I post it on my Facebook page and that I had a nice meal with fish, blah, blah. Some people might say, Oh, weren't you vegetarian? And then I thought, well, we give each other all these labels, but yeah. actually that limits ourselves so much in life. You know, I am this, I am that. But of course, it all comes back to the I am. And so for me, the whole system of Reiki is about softening that grip on I and therefore also softening those labels we put onto ourselves. Uh, vegan, vegetarian, Reiki master, this or that you know, and then we can set ourselves really free. And if we set ourselves free, then we set each other free. Well, it's really interesting to hear you say that because I think it also um, speaks to your way of teaching. Mm. Um, you know, the way that you teach and the way that you um, hold space is like, it's really about giving us the experience so that we have our own realizations. But I have to ask you this. So I think it's, so interesting that you thought to understand what was beneath the surface of Reiki because I mean you think about you know Yasui the even the time period like 1922 this totally different culture what was this man practicing and what were his beliefs and what was his mindset yeah you know beyond just what we may see as these tools so to speak so when you felt compelled to do that dive into understanding in new ways was it in part for yourself or was part of it because you were already teaching and you really wanted to um you know help people have a deeper understanding i think it was both yeah so for me it's that really that 
that show compassion to yourself and others, like really for myself, because for me, you know, we can know the history or we can know all intellectual stuff, but that doesn't always make us a better teacher. You know, the better teacher comes from that direct experience, that direct soaking in uh, into these mountains of Japan, for example, and that we can therefore have the direct experience in class, that we can have the direct experience with our students, uh, and then that direct experience in life, you know, and I think what is really interesting is that sometimes those teachers in Japan, they are very direct. We don't know, I think, this kind of spiritual methods anymore in a modern style. Mm-hmm. But I quite like it because in a modern style, often we go, oh, yeah, you know, it's all kind of soft and gentle. What well, is yeah. nice. But sometimes we have to be confronted, you know. My teacher was confronting me all the time in that particular uh, week and a half when I was with him. And then when I went for a week and a half with another teacher and we actually went into the mountains and they hang you over cliffs, no safety pin or no safety ropes or whatever, just your normal clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was there I, on Mount Omine, you go into the mountains and, uh, the day we arrived in the evening, we're eating at this little temple. This mountain has been a practice ground for 1,300 years. It's, it's absolutely amazing. You can't go there by car. You have to walk up, very steep. And you can only stay there if you belong to these particular temple groups and stuff like that. So we're staying on this mountaintop and the, the teacher is chatting with the priest there. And I'm a little bit worried. And then, Okay, what, uh, what are you guys saying? And I go, Oh, yeah, well, we're going to practice tomorrow. Uh, two people died there last year. <laughs> and you have to sign a form that you do it all by yourself, that you're willing to do it. But the thing is, this confrontation, what they put you through, is quite challenging. But it's also life-changing. You know, now I think if, the, if we see a teacher saying something or provoking uh, the student or provoking community, then sometimes people get a little bit, oh, no, you know, and there is a, almost like a blaming or pointing instead of taking self-responsibility. And uh, you were in a class in, in LA and one of the ladies sent me an email and she said, uh, oh, Franz, um, uh, this is the first time we met. You look like the trickster or mm-hmm. a mantis or an owl or whatever. So you have these couple of different things and, and a stork. Uh, but the trickster is a little bit like that, you know, and sometimes as a, it's all nice and good when we go, oh, yes, everything is soft and blah, blah, blah. But life is confrontational. So mm-hmm. if we find it already difficult that if a teacher becomes confrontational and then we get angry, what, what about life? You yeah. know? And so sometimes we really need, and this is another thing I really learned in Japan, where these teachers are quite strict, quite confrontational, but they do it with that compassion, you know, like I'm, I'm there to actually push your buttons. You might get angry with me. You're furious, but actually, but that really is depending on me. Do you know what I mean? I could have um, walked away or, I could have said, well, enough is enough. Or I could have said, well, actually, he's doing that for the benefit of me, to help me to go and grow and expand. Why do I get angry? Why do I get worried? Because that's really in the precepts. 
Well, it's really interesting, and I want to ask you about this in a minute, of how it really does seem like all things like point back to the precepts, but in the book, you do talk about the ultimate healing starting in our mind and our heart, mm. and actually, um, that was my favorite chapter, <laughs> and how you talked about it's all about our heart and mind and how we can really only heal ourselves. So just like to your point with our teachers and the foundation, the tools that they may give us and things, whether our teachers or life triggers us, we're really the only ones that can manage that or choose how to do it. So can you speak a little bit to that, um, how our healing is ultimately about the heart and mind? Yeah, I mean, the, the mind, of course, uh, people might say it's about the body, but of course, we all will die one day. Right. You know? And uh, the mind is so important, is so powerful. And so we can see that already in Mikasui's teachings because if we look at the precepts, no anger, no worry, being grateful, being true to your way and your being, being compassionate, all of that is about a state of mind. It doesn't say anything about a physicality. It doesn't say about seeing energy. It doesn't say about communication with something. It's about your state of mind. And of course, the mind is very subtle. And this is why Mikasui put other practices in it, like body practices where we can use the hands on the body or energy practice where we use mantras or chanting the precepts, for example. But yeah, ultimately we come to the mind. And also it's the mind what we take with us during the whole day. I mean, at night, of course, we can't always do hands on healing on ourselves. We can't always chant a mantra but we always can rest our mind if we practice on the precepts of not being angry, not being worried. And that, of course, has a huge effect on your own well-being, on your own physical well-being, and that has a huge effect on your community, uh, let alone maybe your Reiki community, but your community as a whole, you know, your family, your workplace. And so we can see again and again that, in Mikasui's teachings, he's pointing constantly to the mind. And, you know, my body wouldn't do anything if it wasn't for the mind. My, my energy wouldn't do anything if it wasn't for the mind. And right. it's very simple if we have, uh, I think I said that in class also, if there's a dead person laying here, we can see the body, we can see their eyes, but the person is not going to move because the mind has left the body. Right. And so, therefore, you know, really important that we investigate the mind. You know, it's so interesting. I just remembered the aha moment I had in class. And um, what you're saying, it's reminding me of how all of the tools in Reiki, whether it's the meditative aspect, it's about, you know, that focus, that directing of the mind. And the precepts, again, how they really cause us to come into our direction and our way with our mind and, you know, our choice and our perceptions, all of these things. But when I asked you about the hands on healing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really was like, wait, no, why do we put hands on? But it yeah. was interesting too, how even in that practice, it is a way also of directing the mind, whether the mind of the person we're working on or our own mind. So, yeah. yeah so that also brings me to, I wanted to ask you about, um, the system of Reiki and what this is to you, because in the book you do talk about it being this, this system of re rediscovering our true nature. Yeah. So what does that mean to you? 
Well, for me, you know, when for me, the system of Reiki is really about rediscovering our true nature or our true self. Or Mikasui points at that wonderfully as the great bright light. Mm -hmm. Or he explains it wonderfully is being a human being in as a true human being. What means no anger, no worry, being grateful, being true to our inner being, being compassionate and that for me is really the essence of that true self, your true nature. And through the practices of hands-on healing, the symbols and the mantras, the precepts, the meditations and reju or initiation, slowly we start to lay bare this beautiful bright light. However, and I think this is the most important thing, is that the teacher can only give you the the practices you have to sit on your butt to do it you mm -hmm. know and this is what i really saw also those three weeks in japan they were really testing me have i sat on my butt you know we're gonna trigger you franz we're gonna make you see if you get angry see if you get worried see if you get fearful see if you want to run away see if you want to yell at me or whatever have you integrated in since you started practicing with us have you integrated these precepts mm. and that really is only what you can do yourself there is no magical trick there is no magical symbol as we all know it's really really difficult so that really is why also mikasui sat on his butt for 21 days to meditate on mount karama he wasn't there picking his nose. He was, <laughs> he was meditating. You know, those practices are tough when you sit for 21 days on a mountaintop. And now it's become so simplified in a way. And I think people forget that self-responsibility. And that self-responsibility is the essence. You know, we can blame our teachers. We can blame our family. We can blame society. But to have a better world... We need to take self-responsibility. And that, again, for me, is really pointing out in Mikasui's teaching. Sit down, do your practice on a daily basis, your hakame, practice diligently, you know. And, and also in today, you know, today only in Japanese really means in all you do. So practice in all you do. Practice when you're cooking, practice when you're walking, practice when you're working, practice when you're sleeping, practice in every moment of your life. And then we break down these barriers. Then we break down these boxes, these self-imposed limitations and these labels, what we say, you know, I'm vegetarian, I'm vegan, or I'm a master, or I'm this, you know. Yeah. And then we become free. And when we become free, life becomes playful, joyful. And I really feel that people can feel that when they join your classes, you know, it's, we can use and stuff people for with a lot of intellectual information, but actually when we can feel that deep in our heart, deep in our mind, deep in that energy during a class, then a class becomes very transformative. But again, after a class, the student needs to sit on his butt to do the practice. And this is, you know, what my teachers in Japan constantly try to reaffirm, constantly try to see uh, if I've grown or not. And, you know, I might say, oh, yeah, but then you've given me the wrong practices. But that's not true. It means is I haven't practiced according to the instructions what he's giving me. And so, therefore, you know, it's, again, that self-responsibility. And I think 
this is so important in this day of age where I think we, you know, find it very difficult to have that self-responsibility. We like to blame and, and point, but, you know, really, as Miko Su says, Gyo Hakame, practice diligently today in all we do means self-responsibility. I have to say, and there's two things that you're um, saying that's really highlighting that I'm glad you're pointing out, is the importance of our practice and how it is not just in class or not just in session, it is in how we show up in life and how we are in our state of mind and our heart, our compassion, all of these layers. Um, but I, I want to ask you about this too. And I'm glad that you share that you're still studying and you have teachers because I think there's also this um, idea that like we go to Reiki level one, two, and three, and then we're done, right? Yeah. And so highlighting the importance of our self work, but mm. can you talk to why you continue to study and you have teachers? And I have to say too, I mean, like even when I told some of my friends I was going to reset your class, which I did a year ago, and I was like, but I'm still learning and I'm still, you know, we understand things differently too, as we do our work in between. So yeah. can you share the importance in your opinion of continuing to be a student? Yeah, I think life in a way teaches you so much already. You know, if we only think, you know, I'm the master, I don't have to do anything anymore. <laughs> well, then we might as well give up. Right. Life becomes boring. So uh, I quite like in a way, teachers provoke because they provoke me then I can see my weaknesses my my spots and then if I can see them so in a way they're highlighting my anger my worry my frustration but then I can work with it you know if I keep hiding it and keep blaming other people and don't take self-responsibility I will get nowhere so I need to have those teachers for myself to grow and to expand but I think also this is in a modern world, we often hop from one teacher to another to another. It's like ticking boxes or we might not be happy with the teacher or whatever, but it's actually there to keep growing and, and because this is the same in life. We might not be happy with our work. We might not be happy in a relationship. We might not be happy with friends. But if we keep hopping from one thing to another, we end up very lonely and depressed, you know, and we can see this. We live in a very depressive society. Depression is one of the biggest diseases now in America, you know, and it is more so than cancer, for example. So it's really interesting. And for me, that is because we don't take that self-responsibility you know, to really practice. Yeah, it's interesting and, uh, you say yeah. that because when I first started, um, when I first learned Reiki, I did that. I went to several, I mean, you were like the seventh teacher I had. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. But it was my curiosity and something just, I don't know, like something wasn't clicking and I, I just wanted to understand like various points of views and these things where I finally got to a point of the part that I was missing was that self-work in between. Yeah. So once I really started focusing more on the self-work in between, then it became this thing of like, okay, now I understand from a different way. And now resitting with a teacher like I did with you in LA was more about, again, like expanding and yeah. seeing what triggered me or what came up, what was moving in class, but it wasn't because I didn't trust my practice which is like a totally different lens, I think. Um, 
Yeah. So I want to talk about this, your classes. (laughs) 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 Wow. So I've done uh, Shippuden with you twice. Um, I am one day going to do your Shodan and Okudin as well, just because I would love to um, have that experience. But one of the beautiful things about your classes is it does seem to, uh, you really want us to have the experience of that groundedness, but the non-duality aspect, it's one thing when we talk about these things, but the experience is just, I mean, you really can't even put these things into words, right? So I wanted to um, ask if you could share with people who may not be that familiar with the practice, what are the points of focus or things that you highlight through the different levels? Yeah, I mean, as you say, in class, you know, I think that really direct experience is really important and particularly of that true self, that true nature, the great bright light. So that is really depending on the teacher, of course, there's no magic switch. So A, the student needs to be willing and open and, you know, it always takes two to tango. And then, of course, the teacher, as much as possible, he or she needs to have rediscovered certain layers of their true self. And the more he or she rediscovers that, then there is more and more chance to take that place. Right. And so, therefore, for me also, a Reiki 1, 2, and 3 class is about facilitating change. So, and again, that is not for the faint-hearted. You know, sometimes, sometimes that can bring up a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings. And I think this is, again, where sometimes I think we see spiritual practices. Oh, we're going to be all like this. And it's going to be nice and fine and joyful. But that's not a spiritual practice. A spiritual practice is stirring shit up and dealing with it and taking, again, that self-responsibility when it comes up. And that is such an important element, you know. And uh, this is, I think, in a past where people were called a spiritual warrior, you know, because they had to dig deep. They had to confront themselves and really uh, facilitating that change. and. You know, if we keep putting ourselves again, I come back to those boxes. Oh, we, we put ourselves into, oh, now, now I'm going to be this. And then in reality, we, we say, I'm going to lead my normal life. Oh, now I'm going to be spiritual. But in fact, we stick it in the same kind of box, the same kind of limitations we put on our spirituality as we have in our life. So that for me is not really spirituality. Spirituality is about stepping out of this box and freeing yourself up of these self-imposed limitations. And that, of course, can hurt. It can be very confrontational, uh, very painful emotionally, mentally, physically. And, you know, this is therefore, again, coming back to your own personal practice and that direct experience in the class. So classes is not always fun. Uh, of course, we try as much to have fun because sometimes I think also some people think that spirituality has to be very serious. Yeah. But for me, it's about life and life is not all about serious, about having fun, enjoying. And, you know, people like the Dalai Lama, wonderful examples of that. Their joy and their expression and their fun when they're teaching is just brilliant. And, you know, I think... We can, we can look towards these people and see them as our teachers, even if we might not do any training with them, but see how they behave in class, how they behave outside the class. And, 
also the compassion they have, you know, in the daily life, not just in their workshop, but in daily life, I think is really important. You know, um, you make me think of too, because we have spoken a lot about how Reiki really is, you know, the system, like you said, of rediscovering our true nature and how all of the different tools, whether the symbols and the um, mantras and the precepts all point back to our state of mind and our state of being. But, you know, a big part of this too is the hands-on. <clears throat> and I'm thinking about your class again. Um, it's very interesting how you do have this focus on that non-duality and mm. how you bring us into the experience of experiencing like that non-duality within ourselves, but then partnering with, I was going to say another person, but really in that space, it's like you dissolve that separation in the entire room. I mean, you know, and when I left, I was thinking about that in terms of hands-on because I think too in the system, sometimes we, we think about the non-duality when we're using the third symbol. And a lot of people only associate that with remote sessions mm. or persons and physically there, but what you guide us through is really having that experience, even if a person is physically there. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to um, ask you about that too, a little bit, if you could share about the practice of hands-on and what that means like in the system from your point of view. Yeah. I think some people, for me, you know, like we, we think about hands-on that a, sometimes people say uh, the system of Reiki is hands-on. Uh, some people even say, oh, human Reiki is hands-on, animal Reiki is hands-off. Uh, some people say, oh, we, ha we have to be off the body or on the body. But for me, the hands, first of all, we learn that in Reiki 1. They are tools. It helps us. When we put hands on ourselves, it helps us to slip slowly, slowly, slowly in this non-dual space. Because the moment I touch myself, I'm the giver and the receiver at the same time. Right. I'm being touched, but I'm also the person who is touching. So the more, and a lot of people, of course, we don't think about it, but on a very, very subtle level, that is what's happening. And, and so therefore, the more we practice this hands-on healing on ourselves, the more we realize that the hands are just tools is not is about being together you know being together in this open space and it's not a lot of people now say oh it's about being reiki being reiki is really really difficult you know it's not that easy because yeah. being reiki is not getting distracted by the past present future not being angry worried fearful you know being true to your way and your being being grateful being compassionate man we all know that is difficult it's not a magical switch oh now i'm being reiki is it takes years practice and but then we cannot say we just be reiki we have to do within that state of being i still have to make a cup of tea i still have to go to work i still have to go shopping i still have to drive a car i have still have to interaction so for me is that bringing this dual and non-dual world together so we're here together and yet we're also in that unity and so therefore it's an interplay of hands-on or hands-off it doesn't matter but it takes two to tango you know so sometimes there is touch is beautiful sometimes we can just be together without any touch and so 
it's the same if we in nature or be in that natural space because sometimes you want to touch a tree sometimes you just want to stand there yeah so it depends on your again it depends on your state of mind and if you work with a person or an animal or in nature then it depends on those state of mind and how did that fuse in that space but therefore yeah hands on healing for me i really see as a tool as a as a method to slowly over time be more and more in this non-dual space in a dual world right yeah and it's really it's so interesting and then again when you say that too like being reiki that is um something i think about a lot because it reminds me of and brings me back to it is like this consistent practice of how we choose to show up in life and yeah. how we engage and interact with everyone and everything, including ourselves. And, yes. so, you know, I think that's a big part of it too, because in a, in a lot of ways, when we learn these tools, and I can even say from my own experience, it was amazing. And you talk about in the book, I want to ask you about the wow moment in Reiki, right? Um, when I had those wow moment, moments, I noticed it more when I was working on other people. So there was a period where I thought the wow moment can only happen in the exchange with me and another person. And it took a while for me to have that same like, whoa, just in my own beingness. So can you share a little bit with us about staying in the wow? Staying in it. Yeah, for me, the wow moment is really, uh, again, stepping out of that box and, and, and let go of labeling. We're labeling so much. This is this kind of Reiki. This is that kind of Reiki. This is good. This is bad. Uh, you know, all this, this and that, yeah? mm -hmm. here and there, uh, good and bad, all these kind of opposite elements. And for me, if I look at the precepts, is really about being in this non-judgmental, open, expanded space. And the Reiki three symbol and mantra really represents that in Japan. And uh, of course, literally great bright light, but it also represents as it is. It's just as it is. And when we see things just as it is, then there is a tremendous amount of freedom. So for example, I'm in, Feng, in Victoria at the moment. I flew from LA to Victoria. Uh, huge snowfalls. <laughs> uh, the trip, what was meant to be only like maybe, I don't know, four hours, five hours, lasted much longer. Uh, delays here, delays there, flights canceled. And, you know, and I can be angry and worried and fearful. Uh, but if we see it, it's just as it is then I create a tremendous opening in my own mind and therefore that creates a tremendous opening in other people's mind because they will react to how your mind is. And therefore there will be healing taking place in that space already. And, you know, I think that is where, as you say, how do we show up in life? It's not how do we show up oh, at a treatment? How do we show up on a field? How do we show up? you know, in a class, how do we show up in life? That is the essence of the system of Reiki. Today, in all we do, in every action we do, do we still feel angry? Do we still get worried? And therefore, we have to be brutally honest. So one of the precepts sometimes translated as being honest, we have to be brutally honest to ourselves and say, 
man, I still do get a lot of pissed off, you know. My teacher is triggering this, or that person is triggering that, or society is pissing me off, or school is pissing me off, or my partner, or whatever, you know. Or, you know, society nowadays, you know, a lot of people have a lot of anger and worry. But again, it comes back to that self-responsibility. What are we doing to calm our own mind? You know, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I think it speaks to as well. A lot of us want to help, right? We want to help or we want to be healers because we want to help out there and all of these um, things. I mean, beautiful. I mean, it's, it's the most beautiful thing. And it's interesting, though, I think a lot of times we may overlook or not give enough attention to by doing our self-work and healing our own hearts and minds, how that essence of us is healing and helping everywhere we go just by being, you know, and yes. it's not, yeah. Yes, I agree completely. I mean, that, that for me is ultimately the essence, you know, we, we cannot you know, again, always do hands on healing or but it, it's actually how do we show up in life? As you say, you know, I, I love that. And it is for me, do we show up in life with anger, with worry, with not being grateful, not being true to our way in our being and not being compassionate, or do we show up in life without any anger, without any worry, by being grateful, by being true to our way in our being and being compassionate. And that in itself is healing. It's super right. healing for yourself because you set yourself free and therefore it's super healing for someone else, you know. And I think that is, is the most important element in our modern day society, what we can do for ourselves, you know, hence on healing or hence off healing or debating this or that. Just be free. Be open in that space. But again, self-responsibility. Yes. So I have to ask you, again, coming back to the book, and again, I think I think this book is great for anyone who wants to understand the system of Reiki, Reiki Insights. What inspired this book? And from your point of view, who is this book really for? Um, well, the, the book was really inspired uh, when I went to Japan in 2016 and trained with these two people a very intense uh say the first week and a half was in a monastery uh, just me and the teacher and the second week and a half was in the mountains uh standing under a waterfall uh, in the mountains like you would do quite uh, scary things to overcome your fear and your worry and those kind of elements. And so again, for me, I don't see it really as these three and a half weeks uh, because you stir up a lot, you know, that's, that's uh, a lot of things are happening, very intense. And then, you know, you come back home and then you have to integrate what has changed. And that might take another six months to a year. Mm -hmm. And so that really started to percolate and uh, that is really where Reiki Insights came from. So for me, we can say it's a Reiki book, but I, for me also, it's beneficial for people who don't practice Reiki in a way, because even that, you know, I sometimes, I don't practice yoga, but sometimes I read a yoga book because the essence or the philosophy behind it is beneficial for my own well-being, not how to stand in a posture, but the, the essence, the philosophy, the idea 
of yoga, for example, or of Tai Chi or martial arts uh, is very beneficial and can help it. So, yeah, it just depends on people, what they want to get out of it. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's kind of a, a book what could be for non-Reiki practitioners. It could be for Reiki practitioners and teachers who want to delve deeper into their own personal development, their own personal understanding, and also really seeing where the system of Reiki came from in Japan. Not historically, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, Mikusui did that or that, but really the practices behind it. Where do they rest upon what was a common uh, nominator in Japan at that time of Mikusui, well, self-development, spiritual enlightenment, etc., etc. And And how can we relate to that in this modern world? I really like that, I mean, as simple as it sounds, that you highlight that it really is about self-development because I think a lot of times when people hear Reiki, that is not necessarily what comes to mind. But, Mm. I mean, most people who practice will tell you, even if it wasn't their intention, that's what starts to happen and that's what you start to realize. Yeah. And, you know, I want to share with everyone how they can work with you and what's coming up new for you. But I want to ask, too, because you have been practicing and teaching for so many years, what are the biggest differences that you've noticed, like in the community of Reiki now and how it's growing? And do you personally have any hopes or kind of see where you think this is going? I mean, what is really wonderful, I mean, this year uh, I'm talking in five international Reiki conferences. uh, So with lots of international other Reiki teachers, And it's really wonderful to see, I think, that slowly, slowly more the international community is holding hands together, that we can learn from each other, that we can support each other. We might practice a different way, and that's okay. We don't have to be angry or we don't have to be worried about it. There's enough for everybody. But just, you know, that we are open and holding hands together, I think, is really beautiful. So I think that hopes to continue that we can, you know, it, it, as a wider Reiki community, make a communal place where we say, this is the system of Reiki. Yes, one practices from this point and one from that point, neither good nor bad. It's just right. the way it is. It's okay. And, um, you know, I think that is a really wonderful uh, element for myself. Uh, I'm teaching all over the place this year again in America, Canada, uh, Australia, Europe, England, you name it. Or maybe another new book somewhere along the line. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure yet. Uh, I just recently moved to Holland about a year ago, so I'm still kind of integrating that in my life and how, yeah, how I can uh, support that in my life being in a different place again after 20 years living in Australia. So, you know, those kind of things are all quite exciting. I want to um, ask you this too, to uh, share with people because last year when I took the ship and in class, I didn't do the Reiki play day. And yeah. this year I did first. I want to tell you that title is kind of deceptive. <laughs> 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 I was like, Oh, Reiki play day. I had a completely different, I mean, listen, your personality and just the energy you bring makes class wonderful and beautiful. But yeah, it is kind of tricky. I mean, because it, it was, um, 
like these deep, profound experiences, and you guided us through some lovely practices. And I just wanted to know if you can share that with people, if they do look up, you know, your classes. Is, are Reiki days open to all practitioners, whether they've taken your classes or not? And what even inspired that? Yeah, it's open to uh, everybody, uh, even non-Reiki practitioners. So it's just really, I call it like Reiki play day because I, I quite <laughs> like it too. Yeah, again, for me, it's this, you know, sometimes we, uh, we have to throw a little bit of the unexpected in it, you yes, know. Yes. Because for me, that's, again, that confrontational. We have to confront ourselves to look at our own inner demons. Yeah. It's not always easy, uh, but uh, so, yes. So for me, uh, the, the play days or the retreats I'm teaching, I do quite a few uh, Reiki retreats. Uh, they're four-day retreats, quite full on as well but exciting and sometimes playful sometimes teary sometimes painful uh where we focus a lot on yes my background in those japanese spiritual teachings when i worked with my teachers in japan on these mountaintops in these temples and see how to relate to the system of reiki and how that relate to your own spiritual development and yeah uh, yeah i really enjoy doing that because in a way the play days or the retreats uh, we can be a bit more flexible. Like in, in a Reiki one, two and three class, we almost have like, oh, we have to do this and we have to do that. Yeah. But in those kind of days, we can be very, very flexible on what we're doing and how we do it, how long we do it um, and how long we practice. Yeah. But well, it, I have to say it was beautiful. I mean, it was an amazing experience, just not what I expected because of the title. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> I don't know. You know, and again, you, you're so much fun. You really are. I mean, I thought we were going to be doing maybe cartwheels and there. You know, <laughs> but it was, I was. It might like, happen. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I will say, I know somewhere in the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned um, teachers and Reiki, how, you know, these experiences are really meant to provoke change. Yes. And I will say, absolutely, your classes do that. Yeah. I mean, they, they really do. And I can't thank you enough for, one, coming on the podcast and sharing your insights with us and for writing this book because it really does clarify a lot of things. And I told you, I fell in love with your work when I met you before with the inner heart of Reiki because yeah. you were saying things and sharing what I was experiencing that I hadn't heard anyone talk about. So I am deeply thankful for you and the work that you share. And just thank you so much, Franz. Thank you. And thanks for the interview. But it is exactly what I hear a lot, you know, particularly when people start to read Reiki Inside or the Inner Heart of Reiki. They say, oh, this is what I've been feeling deep inside me already, mm -hmm. but never could give words or not find a teacher who could explain that to me. Yes. And I think this, this is being felt particularly when we sit on our butt and do our practice, you yes. know, and, and then we can feel really what that system is about. So for me also, I see very much there is the, the surface element of the system of Reiki and then there's the inner deeper layers of the system of Reiki. And for me, my teachings and uh, the inner heart of Reiki and Reiki insights is really about the inner 
and the deeper elements of the system of Reiki and explaining that and hopefully that people can have that direct experience of their own deeper element of Reiki, their own inner beauty, their own inner light, their own inner joy, their own inner no anger, no worry, no fear, being grateful, being true to their way and being, being compassionate. So thank you. Yeah, great. <laughs> thank you very much. And how can everyone contact you? What are the best ways to reach out to you, learn about your classes, and check out the workshops that you have coming up? Uh, I've got a website. Are we upgrading the website at the moment? So uh, ihreiki.com. I'm on Facebook under Franz Stina or International House of Reiki. I have an Instagram account, uh, Franz Stina or Stina Franz, actually. Uh, but that's more, I'm, I'm been really into photography lately. Beautiful work. Um, thanks, thanks. But yeah, for me, I see it also, how does that relate to my practice, you know? And again, sometimes uh, just beautiful photographs, sometimes provoking photographs, sometimes, you know, how can we, how can we also work with that as a teaching tool in a way for myself but also maybe for other people yeah oh it's funny you say that I'll just tell you really quickly there was a period in my 20s where I was very much connected to and into photography and what I loved about it was that it caused me to look at things differently you know and yeah. with that it kind of ties into even this type of work how you start to perceive life differently when we look through these different um, lenses and angles I mean just the perception. Yeah, but your work is absolutely gorgeous. So anyone Thanks. listening, you should check out his Instagram. <laughs> uh, and I will be sure to put all of the links of how to reach Franz in the show description. And so I want to thank you so much again for coming on the show today. Thank you. And thanks for inviting me. It was great to see you in LA and uh, we meet again somewhere in the part of the world. And yeah, thank look you. after yourself and good luck with the show. Thank you so much, Franz. Okay. Bye. Okay, so thank you again to Franz for coming to share his insights with us today. And you can get his book, Reiki Insights, online. It is available through Amazon. And if you want to learn more about his work and his courses, you can visit his website, which is ihreiki.com. And that stands for International House of Reiki.com. Or you can visit his Facebook page, which which is facebook.com forward slash Franz dot Steine. That's S-T-I-E-N-E. And for those of you who want to um, join the Alchemy Circle and get some more tools and insights from me or to work with me directly, you can visit my website, The Energetic Alchemist, for more information. And of course, if you are new to the podcast or even to my work, you can learn um, more about all that I do, but also access 22 Days of Transformation, which is my free gift to you. And you can learn more about that on my website as well. So again, deep bow of gratitude to Franz. I hope you all enjoyed today's show. And remember to always journey in love.